There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash wondery and use code wondery for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 656. Uh, let's go to the Nerdist Community Court Board. First one, uh, by the way, if you want to get your event potentially mentioned on a Nerdist Podcast, email us at events at nerdist.com. WonderCon is this weekend. That is April 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Um, Nerdist will be present. We have a bunch of panels there. Um, we have a booth set up uh, with our pals at Geek and Sundry. And so uh, we'll all be there at various times. And uh, come by. Stop by the booth. We'll have some fun activities and stuff for you to look at. And then I'll be hosting the overall Nerdist panel um, in the arena on Sunday, I believe at 11 a.m., um, so a bunch of folks from Nerdist will be there, we'll have some announcements, we'll show some footage of stuff, answer some comments, and uh, and generally have uh, a delightful WonderCon time as we mentally prepare for San Diego Comic Con, which is coming down the pipeline, it's going to be here before you know it, and we will be doing shows there, so uh, we'll be able to announce those soon. Uh, but here is what you guys are up to out in the world. Um, Denver comedian Ben Roy, uh, a friend of ours, a friend of mine, he's... An amazing comedian. Denver has an incredible comedy scene. He's part of the Grolics with Adam Caton Holland uh, and Andrew Overdahl. Um, he is in a punk band called Spells. So find out uh, all about their music at spellsrules.bandcamp.com. Also, uh, this was from Nerdist listener Chad David. I have some friends who own the Ridiculous Puppet Company in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Every week they do a comedy vlog with their main character, Felton. Uh, it's a lot of sci-fi movie humor uh, and very weird. So check out their YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Ridiculous Puppet Co. As in Ridiculous Puppet Company. Uh, and Indie PopCon is coming to Indianapolis Convention Center June 26th through 28th. Go to Indie PopCon for more details. And again... Events at Nerdist.com. This episode is Ben Gibbard, who is a basically Death Cab for Cutie, a band that I've been a fan of for over a decade, and also The Postal Service, another band that I've been a fan of for over a decade. Um, Death Cab has a new album out called Kintsugi. It is out Tuesday, March 31st, and Ben's on tour uh, with Death Cab, so info and tour dates can be found at deathcabforcutie.com. We recorded this podcast at SIR in Hollywood, so which is a huge uh, recording slash rehearsal facility uh, that is very cool to us. And so uh, Ben played uh, played a song, which was fantastic, considering that he's just getting over a fractured wrist. He still played and sang, but uh, Ben's super funny and uh, very cool, and I'm going to say a new pal of mine. Like, we kind of became buds, so... The podcast, bringing people together. And now, here's the Nurse Podcast number 656 with the fantastic Ben Gibbard. Now entering Nerdist.com. 
had to change it, right? <laughs> just, there was some, uh, Chris Cornell's very litigious. Yeah, Everything's some, changed just enough. There was, threatened, there was threats of lawsuits, and we had to back off. <laughs> black hole moon. <laughs> Won't you coom? So you still have black and hole in there. you got to change it all up. <laughs> Yo, you can't do it the same. Yeah. Uh, welcome. Is your hand okay, or is that just to keep it protected? Uh I my hand is is healing, uh, but it's I broke it about six weeks ago, so I'm in the no. last I'm in the last week of kind of wearing the splint around strangers, so they don't try to. So as a musician, yes. when you break your hand, you're like, well, this is great. I mean, right. I get to rest. I don't have to work. It's all positive. I can't do the thing. I can't do my work. I can't do the <laughs> thing that pays the bills that yeah. people expect me to do. I mean, honestly, the timing could have been worse. This could have happened. A week ago. And right. honestly, it, it happened at a time which was not obviously advantageous to working and enjoying life. But at the same time, it's, it, there's enough time for it to heal before we have to play actual shows and yeah. like that. Well, it's so never I'm, fun to break a hand. No, it's never fun. Yeah. There's never a good time for it. But no. if there has to be a, a time for it, it's best to happen not before a world Especially tour when you're year. saving those children from that speeding bus. <laughs> then you're a true hero. Thank you. Well, yeah. you saw, you, every, you guys always clearly saw the news report. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah we saw the... We're uh, to go into it, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is a, it's, it, it's not until you injure yourself in some horrible way in a moment that you realize how incredibly fragile you are or how, like, if... How hard you swing your legs when you're walking, when you smack your foot into something. You're like, wow, yeah. at any moment, I am a second away from crippling myself to live my life. Yeah, and the, your bodies are extremely fragile, I found out. <laughs> yeah. They're not as strong as you think <laughs> no. they are. Well, you, you get confused sometimes because it goes the other way too where you like you fall or you hit something and you go, that didn't hurt one bit. I'm a fucking superhero. I'm, you know, I'm just like Bruce Willis and Unbreakable. No, we're like iPhones. Like you could drop... Two times, and then one time dropped not so bad, and then we just shatter. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah so it really is just about catching us on the right. And I, and I feel the opportunities that I've, I've not taken, which I, I should have throughout this entire broken hand situation, is that lying to strangers about how it happened. Yeah. I haven't taken up any of the opportunities to ask. You know, you're on a plane or something like yeah. that, and somebody's like, oh, my God, what happened to your hand? Yeah. And I immediately launch into the story of exactly how it happened instead of all of the things I could tell them yeah. that they're never going to know. Just for for my own amusement. I mean, just you think should. about you could you know the same thing. Oh yeah, I was you know these kids were out running playing in the street and this runaway bus came along and I just I don't you know I didn't I wasn't meaning to be a hero. I just was. In the I right was playing a right festival, time. so I, I I crowd surfed ran. I ran across all the hands of the people and leapt into the road and saved these kids. Mm-hmm. But finished the set at yeah. the same time. You know, really, it's the crowd that are the real heroes for lifting me up. Yeah, it was. A- <laughs> Never. I do it for them. They did it for me. What is the real? St- what is the real story? Uh, I was running a, a trail race on Orcas Island up in the San Juan Islands outside of. Yeah. I guess northwest area. Yeah. And I was just crossing this footbridge. It was wet and rainy as it is in the northwest, and just just hit it. And just went down like a ton of bricks, just mm. kind of total banana peel style, like, but not as funny. Yeah, and, and, just, and <laughs> went down and just shattered the wrist. The bones were all clearly Whoa. not where they were supposed to be. Nothing oh, no. broke the skin. Oh no! Oh, but no. Uh, I mean, you know, got some surgery, and it, it, it's, it's. I'm very nonchalant about it now. I wasn't. I was pretty uh, devastated when it happened. But yeah. it's been six weeks, and you know. Do you think it would have been fixed. worse if it was your left hand? Without a doubt. Yeah, yeah because I can't. You know, obviously, well, I can't move it at all with a splint, but. 
you know, I only have about two or th- maybe an inch worth of movement right and left, and when you're playing guitar, you have to yeah. have quite a bit. You, so. can, you can just do this in a, in a weird – you can just strum up and down. Or I could do like the Bill Wyman thing and, and, and turn the guitar. Yeah, you've got to get a V. Five yeah, v so you vertically. And rest it on your leg Yeah, straight up like that. Yeah, yeah. maybe proper guitar form is – I could <laughs> Yeah, maybe yeah like the old Les Paul style. I've been doing it wrong the whole yeah, time. Yeah. Maybe just, maybe just um, like – Rubber cement a pick into the cast, <laughs> and, and then that. just do this really hard. Just look like a guy from Rock of Fire Explosion. You'll just yeah. look like you know. <laughs> just as aw- just as awkward as possible. Yeah. Or or like strum with your knee. Like there's so many weird things you could do. I, I mean, I really miss uh, some clearly some great opportunities. It's a lot to of things to mix think it about. Still got a lot of yeah. time. Got yeah, a lot of time to do yeah. all yeah. this. I mean, just rebreak it. Yeah. What <laughs> I'm saying is, let Jonah and I be part of your creative team. <laughs> we're going to come up with ways, pyrotechnic ways, yeah. uh, weird guitar strumming ways that are really going to take the band to the yeah. next level. What about some pyrotechnic shooting out of the splint? I like it. Crazy you say yeah. that. Idea yeah. number four. Yeah, yeah. pyro yeah. splint technics. Yeah. Pyro splint technics was on the <laughs> list of things. <laughs> it was, and it was written down like that a few times. That yeah, crossed out. out a bunch. No, it's not. Pyro splint. That's not how you spell that. I was trying to find the right portmanteau. That makeup made up ah, word. No. Damn it! I'm no good at this. I quit, Jonah. <laughs> no, this is all still written down. You're saying I quit. I <laughs> say please don't. Uh, so your tour, you're starting in your tour starts pretty like in a couple days, right? You're starting in Mesa. Uh, yeah. Well, we have like a one-off show in Mesa, and then we start the tour going from city to city on April 27th, I guess. And this is city. the first tour in a long time. Right? Yeah, I mean, I guess like the last time we were on tour proper was summer 2012. So yeah. I guess that's a long time in rock. You know, rock and roll. Yeah. 2012. I think of like, oh, 2012. Oh no, that was three years ago. God yeah. damn it! Well, I think it's just time is yeah. moving very fast. Time is yeah. slipping away. And, like, and people, people say like, it's been four years since your last record. Isn't that a long time? Like, actually, not really. It feels like it was just <laughs> yesterday we were yeah. doing this whole thing. The first, yeah. the last one. So Moz Mouse after was it seven, eight years put out an album? Yeah. Yeah. They didn't, and like it was like I was reading some interview with uh, Isaac, and he was just like, he's like, I didn't realize it was that long. Was just, that, I don't know Isaac hardly at all, but um, I, that would not surprise me. You don't see him in the Northwest Indie Rock picnics? <laughs> Every year we get together yeah. for our, uh, our yeah, uh, Children like, of Built to Spill yeah. picnic, and, <laughs> and we, uh, we all yeah. talk about how, <laughs> how, how much Doug has influenced us yeah, all. Yeah, Tree People <laughs> Memorial Park, that's yeah, what you exactly, guys are. Right, totally, yeah. At Tree, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. That uh, yeah, that's a that's a. I'm really impressed with that reference. A little deep cut there. Yeah, going deeper than I would. I mean, not to to sell you short. (laughs) But I didn't know that people knew the tree people outside of this very small, you know, area of the country. I wasn't aware they were. Yeah, well, I guess you know, just like any kind of kid that's into punk or indie rock, like you know, you just you dive in and go back, right? Yeah, because I, you know, built I heard built this bill way before I ever heard tree people, but it was just one of those things where it's like you know, like yeah. You, you find you're like, oh, where'd they come from? Then you you know go and do that sure, stuff. Sure, yeah. But yeah, pretty good stuff. I mean, I am amazed. At, do you have time to listen to things anymore? Or are you too busy making your own stuff? Listen to music? Yeah, I mean, I, like <laughs> it's just it's just Jonah always surprises me because he sees every movie, watches every television show, hears every album. I'm like, where do you get the time to do these things? I'm, I do it like so. Tuesdays, I'll get on my you know the audio app. Yeah, and I'll look and see what's new. Uh, like you know. That's a release day, so I kind of shuffle through all the stuff that looks interesting to me, uh, and then that's when like I get my day start. But I'm kind of doing that as I do other stuff. Do you listen to other stuff while you're writing and recording, or do you? Oh, sure, it? yeah. Oh, you do. Yeah, I mean, I, I like my kind of music intake time tends to be in the morning. You know, kind yeah. of put on records and drink coffee and kind of just. And I do a similar thing you know, on Tuesday. Scroll through new records and kind of see if anything's kind of moving me. And yeah. some sometimes I do, most times I don't. But yeah, I mean, I. 
I love music. I love listening to music. I, I, I would never, I, I swore to never become one of those people who says, it's just not as good as it used to be when I was young. I mean, that's just <laughs> yeah. such a bullshit cop-out kind of... That's just people that didn't keep up. Exactly. Because that's the only way they know how to defend the fact that they stopped listening. Because stuff is still just as good as it ever was. It's just not, they're like, it's almost nostalgia is ruining new music for them. You know what it is, too, is that it, the older you get, the more effort it requires to be surprised by things. Like, you have to find ways in when you're young and you haven't heard a lot. Everything to you is like, oh, I can't believe someone did this. Oh, no, I, I remember, I just recently I was, like, hanging out with uh, a friend of a friend who was 22, and they were talking about what they were listening to, and everything... Every everything they said they were listening to was the, quote unquote the greatest thing I've ever heard. This yeah, is yeah, the yeah. best. And yeah, when you're when you're young and you haven't heard a lot of music, naturally more things are going to blow your mind. You know, there's a frequency of getting your mind blown that's much higher when you're that age yeah. than when you're I'm 38. When you're 38, it's like yeah, I get my mind blown by stuff a lot less frequently than I did when I was that age. But that's not because music is worse. It's because I've just heard a lot of music and am you know, adjusting my expectations as to what yeah. the music is going to do to me to a, by, in a 38-year-old man's body. Right. <laughs> which is just, unfortunately, you know, it doesn't feel the same. No, you know, no. Time. But it's, it is nice to be surprised. It is nice totally. to like, find something. And to know what they're up to, but still appreciate, like, uh, you know, there's like lots of bands that I hear that they sound like all the bands I listened to when I was in high school, but there's just something different enough to where I go, yeah. I, I know what they're doing and I like what they're doing with it and I appreciate it. Like and I, always, I think like, and you, yeah, you like totally. covered one of their songs, right? Yeah. I mean, this band always from kind of Toronto area, I believe it's Toronto. It's one of my favorite records of last year. They're wonderful. Yeah. And they're, they, you know, they're this kind of, kind of jangly pop group and they, they scratch the teenage fan club itch that yeah. I have, which is teenage fan club is my favorite band of all time. And I don't listen to them and go like, Oh, these guys are trying to sound like teenage fan club. It's like, I go, Oh my God, these guys sound kind of like teenage fan club. And I love that band. Yeah. And I love this. You know, I think that she is such a phenomenal songwriter and the, you know, they're, they're just sound so great and, and really just exciting and interesting. And that's yeah, so all taking yeah. the high road, Ben taking the high road approach, <laughs> not, not being bitter old man. And going, oh, I can appreciate things. I mean, but I can. It's like, you know, I mean, there's a song that I, I covered of theirs called Archie Marry Me that is, I, I don't know how old these. That's their fucking jam. I oh, I know that song. Yeah. yeah, you know that song? Yeah, they've been playing it on. Uh, XMU plays XMU, it XMU, they've been yeah. playing on XMU. They're, it's a wonderful song, and it's the kind of song that I'm, I'm jealous that I didn't write when I was that age, which I'm assuming is early 20s-ish yeah. kind of age. It's yeah. just such a beautiful song about, um, you know, not you know wanting kind of the stability of marriage or a long term relationship, but shunning all of the 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 tropes and kind of um, traditions that you know your parents' generation kind of yeah uh, you know has kind of leveled on you so to speak or something like that. But yeah, great song. Yeah. It is it's a good song. song. I didn't I didn't know what it was, and I and I try not to Shazam while I'm driving. You know, that's, some people go, bad. well, that's at least bad. I'm not texting. Like, yes, but interacting with your device is still interacting with your device. So yeah. I, try not to, I try not to Shazam while I'm driving. And I had no idea who, who did that song, but I've been I'll, hearing I'll, it. Like, uh, if something's on, you know, serious or something like that, I'll take a picture of the screen just to remember to go back to it oh, later. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. So, like, I'll go back and be like, oh, yeah, I have to check these out because it piqued my interest. Now, when you're covering a song, because sometimes I'll hear someone cover a song and they cover it exactly, even going back. So, like, the. Um, uh, uh, the Echo and the Bunnymen covered "People Are Strange," and of course, it was on the uh, Lost Boys Lost soundtrack. Boy soundtrack. Mm-hmm. But they covered it exactly like the Doors. And even that long ago, I was like, "Why would you cover this? Like, the, you're just doing karaoke at that point. Like, what responsibility do you think you have to find some new angle on something without being self indulgent? But then at this, but but you know, like 
elevating the song in some new direction. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I suppose that. Well, first off, I, to the to the Echo and the Bunnyman cover, I'd say that the issue number one that I have with that is just covering the doors <laughs> in the first place. Number <laughs> one, that's you. that's kind of that. I, 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 love I take Echo I take I take, yeah. I take issue with okay, the doors I, I in general that. as a Me band. Me too. I get shit for it all the time. Yeah, I'm not. A, I, I think they're the only. I mean, look, people love them. That's fine. That's great. But for me personally, they're the only kind of classic rock band that I really, really do not like. No, I don't no. like the Doors either. They're the yeah. worst. They may, they would make a good song and then say, "Well, what if this was ten minutes?" They're just they were so <laughs> shitty. I, I used to work in Venice Beach, and uh-huh. I grew to hate them even more so because of all the people that would just go, "Yeah, Morrison, man." I go, "Yeah, drunk and to with the and notebook. to and to that uh, to that I say." Ride the snake. Yeah. Right. To the lake. Yeah. The snake is long. <laughs> I mean, if some guy, like if you were if you were at a poetry slam, if you were like in a coffee house and there was a poetry slam and some guy was like, and then it walked on down the hall, you'd be like, We have to get out of here. Yeah, get out this of is her. really not good. Yeah, they're the smash mouth of their time. <laughs> <laughs> Take a drink. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was even what was the uh, Bruce McCullough had that old that that bit, uh, the kids in the hall bit, where he's talking about like the Doors fan, yeah, he's making fun of the Doors and Doors fans and stuff like that. They're just not good. I don't know why they got. You can never, you never know what history is going to do to a band because, like Smash Mouth, they made a lot of money. And there's a lot of people that if you ask them, it's like, yeah, that's their band. And so, you know, in 30 years, are people going to be going, you know, the classics like Smash Mouth and Corn, and you know, <laughs> like it's- I mean, but you know, that's I mean. I- I have no issue with either of those bands as much as I do the Doors, but I I will say that like, <laughs> you know, I, what I find interesting is that you know I think across all genres there is this there there are people who are acting as tastemakers who are trying to tell us like this is the most important thing right now you will be listening to this this is the most important band of this second and they you know people might only only so many people might get it and listen to it but you're you know this band is going to really do yeah. something to be important and. More times than not, the reality of the situation is that the band that's the bands that are the most popular become the bands that people are talking about later as some kind of canonized act, whether or not they were the best acts of their time. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Does that so, happen more now that that there, it's that it's be, that things have become a little more democratized in terms of how people can get music? That it's not it's not just filtering through you know a handful of channels. Because when I worked at K Rock in the '90s, it was basically whatever Kevin Weatherly said, like, this song's going to be a hit, became a hit because they played it on K-Rock, you know? But Mm -hmm. but now it doesn't, it it doesn't have to follow the same rules anymore. So people are finding music they wouldn't have found otherwise. Well, and I think that's fantastic. I mean, I, you know, I, I feel like I've maybe told the story a couple of times, but it's because it made such a huge impression on me. I remember being at an animal collective show here in Los Angeles in maybe 2009, 2010, and I'm sitting, I'm sitting there watching the show. I knew the sound guy was a buddy of mine. And Lou Barlow from Sebado is also there because he was friends with the sound guy. And we kind of know each other a little bit. So we're just sitting there talking, watching the show. It's at the wheel turn. It's fucking sold out. And I, and I turned to Lou and I'm like, this is fucking weird, right? This band is really <laughs> strange. I love this band. They're, They're really, really weird. really weird. And yeah. there are 2,400 people going bonkers. And this wouldn't have been possible 10 years ago. People would not have found out about this band if they were relegated to finding out about them via your local alternative radio station, yeah, right. and if you were in the proximity of a college radio station that would be playing them, there's and I think it just goes to show that like if you give people myriad options 
And, you know, people are going to gravitate towards the best stuff usually, you know, and the most interesting and challenging stuff, at least enough people will that, you know, a a weird ass band like the Animal Collective is playing the Wiltern. Yeah. 20 years before they would have been Can. Yeah, totally. Exactly. That like weird band that like, you know, like the guys that listen to Zappa get into. But you, but does, does death, I mean, like where where is Death Cab, does Death Cab have a home on radio now? Like it feels like the alternative stations are in this sort of weird place where some of them have gone like classic alternative. Which is a strange, which is a strange phenomenon. It really is college radio on Sirius XM. Well, not not even classic college radio. I mean, like it's like pop music. Pop alternative music from the '90s, like the like Green Day era. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. not even like you know, not not even like you know, Live's first album or <laughs> old REM. You know, yeah. like it's it's Green Day and and uh, or, or early Fiona Apple and yeah, like yeah. All, all that stuff. It's, it's like they become all, all, all classic rock stations now. Yeah, it, it, that's a really strange phenomenon. The music that I mean, I'm 38, as I said, and you know, the music in the early '90s that was kind of uh, you ubiquitous amongst teenage kids into like punk and indie alternative, whatever it was, you know, call at the time that that music now would be canonized as like, Oh man, here comes man at the box at you for like <laughs> the 10th time today. Coming up on the weekend. And that's a fucking great song. I, I, I really like that band, but it's like, it's crazy how some of this material that I grew up with as a teenager now is just like, you just can't almost get away from it because stations like that are just continuing to kind of just like, eh, well, they, we know they like this, so let's just play this for them yeah. again. I think you could kill a, a Man in the Box cover. You think so? I do because it's actually <laughs> like when you take out all the loud parts of the song. You know what band I'm in, right? <laughs> I do. But I think when you take all the loud parts out of Man in a Box, it actually can be like a ni- – there, there's like a nice melody under there somewhere that I think – I think I think if I was going to go after any Alice in Chains song, I think it would probably be The Rooster. Yeah. Yes. The Rooster. Oh. Because it has those killer harmonies in the cor- in the chorus. Yeah. Like, Speaking of good covers, uh, Jay Maskus's version of Mazzy Star's "Fade Into You." Now that's like pretty. Like, he does it just like Mazzy Star did, but it's somehow just weird and even sadder somehow with Jay Maskus singing it. Have you heard it at all? I haven't, but I, I can. I'm hearing it in my mind right now, and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. But you have to be yeah. very careful with covers, though, because you kind of don't. I mean, it's fun to do covers, but do you do you know, you don't necessarily want a cover to blow up too big, right? Because then people if that's if the people, alien hand farm effect well here's what you don't want to do which is what i've done <laughs> how dare you maybe maybe i guess it'd be about maybe 14 years ago um i was really obsessed like legitimately obsessed with avril lavigne's complicated uh-huh. i was legit and it was before avril lavigne was avril lavigne so to speak not to say that it was like in her like early indie period or anything <laughs> like that but it was just like it was a song on the radio and i'd kind of hear it and i'd be like man that song's great what a great hook and the chorus so I played it at an acoustic show, like kind of like tongue in cheek, but like I really, I really liked it. You know, like I wasn't, I was kind of embarrassed about how much I liked it. <laughs> so I kind of made jokes about it, but in actuality I was playing because I loved it. Huh. And from that day on, I've been asked to play that song ah. by people who know that I covered it. And like, it's become a weird little, th- when I play solo shows that somebody will yell it and it's, I can't get away from it. Well, that's a perfect place to say, ladies and gentlemen, here's Ben Gibbard playing complicated. <laughs> well, that happened to Ryan Adams when he did that Oasis cover. When he did, uh, what was the song he covered? Uh, not Champion Supernova, but Don't Look Back in Anger. He just like, he did part of it at a show. Someone just happened uh-huh. to tape it, put it online and he just did like a line from it. And people like, and then he went to his regular song, but he he ended up having to cover it because people found the video and wanted him to play the entire. So song. So that's an mm-hmm. interesting question: is how much, 
how much do you own your set when you're playing? You know, like you have a relationship with your audience. You want them to be happy. You're mm-hmm. there because they are supporting you. Mm-hmm. So where do you kind of say, well, I'm going to do this for me versus, all right, well, I'll make a compromise and I'll play some stuff that maybe I wouldn't have normally. But if you guys want to hear it, fine. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm not going to play complicated again. That's, I mean, <laughs> just that's the line for me. But I, I really believe that when you're doing, uh, when you're making a record, that's and writing songs like that's kind of the time to be an artist, you know, to kind of make it, make the permanent record of the thing how you want it to be. But I've always been perplexed by bands that go out and just refuse to play their hits, right. refuse to play the songs people know, and it's it's kind of like, hey man, the reason there's five thousand people here is because they want to hear that song right. that got them into you and it's going to take four minutes of your time yeah and you can go on to playing whatever spacey like jam rock bullshit you want to play but just play the hit and then you can move on and i've had some friends who've kind of really been artists about the whole thing it's like no man we're not doing that it's like just fucking do it like it takes no time and that means they'll come back next time i really feel like when you're playing shows you're there to be a performer you're there to entertain people and you run into those people in like five years and there aren't people showing up to their shows and they're like fuck i probably should have played that song that (laughs) i wanted to like like when i saw beck he uh, at the orpheum downtown he did like six songs from his this new the new thing that he was working Mm -hmm. on and he was like Sit through these songs and then I'll play all the hits. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. Then totally. he played every fucking hit with the same amount of energy yeah. that he played it before. I've seen two very different types of built to spill shows. The first time I saw him, it was like maybe four songs, hour and a half show, mostly jamming, and I was devastated. And I was just like, I was like, I, you know, I just never got into seeing things drawn out that much. You know, uh, reason I don't like the Doors. But then the next time I saw him. They just like blaze through every song I ever wanted them to play, and like now I'll just go and see them like every time they come into town. Oh man, I saw them in January, and they they did the the second set. They did yeah. the like we are going to play all the hits. I mean, they have a new record that's coming out um, that I've heard, and it's great. Yeah, but they didn't, great. Yeah. yeah, but they didn't play anything off that at the time. They're like, look, we're just going to go out and play all the hits, and people were fucking stoked. Yeah, and it was and it was one of those moments where, as a fan, a longtime fan. It made me even more excited about the next record, which I had not heard at that point. Oh, because I'm yeah. like, oh man, this band's been around forever. They're one of my favorite bands. They're integral in why we are who we are. I think very obviously to yeah. some people. And this is why this band's still important. You know, it's yeah. like this is why they're important because they have all these songs that have stood the test of time, at least for the last twenty plus years. And you know, there's 1,200 people here who are really getting psyched. And they're all getting psyched for the next record now, I feel like, because yeah. they're going to be back again later, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you think it's important to play the song exactly the way people expect? Or do you, like, what's the balance between mixing it up or trying it a new way or, you know? I saw Billy Bragg a number of years ago, who's one of my favorites. And um, I don't know if you guys know that song, The Great Leap Forward. It's on Workers' Playtime. It's the last song on the record. And it's kind of... Uh, very political song about what's ha- what was happening in the world at that time. And the you know, lyrics are great. It's really fantastic. And he had rewritten the lyrics to be about the current time. It was now all about, I guess it was 2002, 2003 when I saw him. And I remember leaving the show being kind of bummed that he changed the lyrics to reflect our modern era at the time. Yeah. Rather than the, just singing the song 
the way it was written. I, yeah. I, and so I think, yeah, that bummed me out. I mean, the show was great. It wasn't like I didn't leave, you know, wanting my money back. Or anything was it like that, because but... you were singing along and they start singing other words and then you felt embarrassed? Because <laughs> it's like, it you may have been Camelot. No, it's not Camelot. Yeah, no, I know that that's not, he's saying the wrong words. George Bush is in the song? George Bush is in the song, Same thing happened to me with Elton John at Princess Di's funeral. I'm like, goodbye, Norma. Shit, that's not what he's doing now. I thought you would have liked that joke. I do like that joke. So where, so, okay, so this brings it, this is an interesting question for me uh, is when you do something like Postal Service which is a departure from what you do as Death Cab and then you're doing a Death Cab show where people like play a Postal Service song and you're like well this isn't that show that happened a lot um, when the the Postal Service we got back together or I guess we never really were not together but we went out and did some shows in 2013 and up until that point there was inevitably every night maybe not every night but frequently enough Somebody yelling out like "Such Great Heights," play this and that, and you know, you don't want to stop the momentum of the show to give somebody to take somebody to school yeah. about why that's <laughs> yeah. not going to happen. Okay, fine. Yeah. Bloop 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 bloop. Okay, yeah, you happy? Exactly. Are you happy? But it was also, but you know, in my mind, I think like, what in the world makes you think that we're just going to stop this? like carefully curated sets <laughs> to play a song by another band. Yeah. Well, people don't see it that way. And I think a lot of times it's very empowering for people to feel like I'm going to marionette the band and, and like having their request. I mean, it's like, you know, like having their request met in real time live is very empowering yeah. for someone. Yeah. I mean, but I don't think that, I don't think that there has to be like a, like a band, like the, a band that did that years ago that like just stopped the set and played whatever somebody yelled that kind <laughs> yeah, of set the precedent. Good idea. The press guy in the loge is right. We're fools. <laughs> we are playing Freebird tonight. <laughs> it's like that must just that must have happened at one point, and yeah. then you know it just kind of word got out that if you if you just yell a song at a band, they will play it. They will drop everything yeah, and play it for you. Because yeah. it's basically like a spam email. Like it wouldn't, it, they wouldn't send them out if it didn't work some of the time. Right, exactly. There's some, <laughs> there's some suckers out there. All bands need to stand together. Solidarity. Yeah. Never take a... Re- the same thing must have with Lou Barlow with like Folk Implosion, I'm sure. Oh, totally. Oh, that's or, a good point, yeah. People, or, you know, it's like total side thing and then all of a sudden... Nat- natural one. Yeah, natural exactly. one. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. But, but look, it's a good problem to have. I it mean, is a, it's like yeah, sure. I, 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 I can't fucking believe that my life has been as such where like I've had two things that two separate things that I've done that have been in the world and that people care about that much that they would yell such great heights at me at a death cab show. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's I, I mean I joke about it and being annoyed by it, but the reality is like, look, it's a good problem to have. I feel so fortunate that this is that I was even able to do it once, let alone twice. So. Was there an ultimate lesson that you took away from? Postal Service, was, I assume, was just like, oh, let's just make this because it's a fun, weird thing to do. And then watching that, that must have... It was crazy how big it got. I mean, I, when I first heard it, I listened. I must have listened to it like five times in a day the first time. Yeah, that was like one... We sold so many of those. I was still working at a record store at the time, and it was just nonstop. And every, like, you know, one of those things that just happens, like... Someone said it, it was the good thing, and then all different types of people were coming and asking for that record. It was really... You know, it was it was a weird phenomenon to be peripherally involved with because we weren't playing shows. We yeah. weren't... There was no way to be in front of these people that were buying the records. So, you, you know, we would just get numbers from Sub Pop Records every six months of like, you know, sold another 100,000. We're up around 600,000 now. And you're like... <laughs> yeah. And it was almost like, what is going on? It was... It, it almost felt as if I couldn't... It was something... Not something we could take credit for. You know, we couldn't yeah. just sit back and be like, wow, we really did it, didn't we, guys? <laughs> or actually, wait, really, guy. <laughs> we really, yeah, really yeah, did this, didn't sure. we, guy? Well, I don't, know so, if, I don't know if a lot of people had this experience, but for me, 
not only were the songs wonderful, but because of the specific types of sound pads that were used, the first thing I thought of was like Super Mario. Like it took me back <laughs> to my childhood, but in a grown up way. Rather than just going, this here's that here's that eight bit sound, you yeah. know, like n- no one had really, at least I hadn't heard it yet. No one had really mined that yet and done something new and original with it. So it, it to me it was part of my childhood, but also like felt like the like contemporary and then also part of the future as well. Yeah, well, it was like you know, Detail had a couple records out by then, right? Mm-hmm. I and, think so. Yeah, yeah. But well, like figurine, it, he was doing this thing called figurine yeah. too at the time. But there yeah. weren't like. You know, like, which is like one of your strongest suits is like, you know, there was no like hooks in this like, you know, glitchy pop music. And like, I think it was just like that just thing that came together that just made it blow up for everybody. Well, it seemed like it seemed like electronic music to that point had gotten really academic. Yeah, it had gotten really um, uh, it, it was a music for connoisseurs of that music. And I don't particularly see the Pulse of his record as something really that, you know, that original because so much of it is kind of mining, you know, the like the songs that I grew up with as a kid listening to like, you know, the electro pop new wave stuff in the early 80s. I mean, that's kind of where a lot of that record comes from. But I think I realized only after the fact that a lot of kids who got into that record had no context for it. Yeah. It was just like, oh my God, this is such a new and exciting sound. It's like, well, yeah, this song kind of sounds like the Human League. I mean, yeah. kinda, <laughs> I, I feel almost a little embarrassed about how much it sounds like the Human League. But they, but these kids hadn't heard the Human League, so yeah. they don't. So it, I think it kind of, for some people, for some younger people, it represented something really <sighs> new and exciting. But in actuality, I feel it's a, I'm a, it's a record I'm very proud of. But I definitely see where it's derived from. Yeah, you know? there was a lot of that start. Like it was there was that was starting to happen. I think a lot of indie electronica stuff. There was like the blow, which I think was Northwest, yeah, 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 and uh, what was that girl that uh, I can't remember her name. It was kind of like a Harmar thing where she just would like uh, you know tracing the plastics. Oh yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. Sure. And so there there was like a there was a feeling that like there was people starting to kind of do that, but to like. But no one was had, I think, the, the, the pop sensibilities as much as, like, when you guys came together. I think that's probably what. And then it was also right when Sub Pop's, like, second heyday started happening as well, right? Yeah, they had a pretty dark period in the <laughs> late 90s where I think it seemed like they kind of decided they could do anything and then kind of realized that they really couldn't yeah. do anything like that. Maybe country music was not, <laughs> That's right. it was kind yeah. of not what what was going to really work for them. And, you know, I think between the pulse service record and the, and the shins, uh, oh, introverted world and a couple yeah. other albums, it seemed like hot, hot heat too. I feel like they kind of, that's right. That was that, uh, the kind of electro clash kind of stuff that yeah, they, the had a bunch of, they had a bunch of stuff that kind of sold really well at a time, which, I mean, I don't know the finances of the label at that point, but it yeah. certainly seemed like they, they were kind of living off of, you know, Nirvana. Yeah. Uh, that Hot Hot Heat really flamed out, huh? I didn't mean to make a pun about it, but they really, like, they were going to be huge. The next big band. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I, those guys were so good live. Yeah. They were just unbelievable. I saw them live. in the faint in, like, summer of 99 or 2000 uh, at Scolari's office in San Diego, and it was just one of the funnest shows that ever been I, in my I, life. I saw them open for some friends of mine who will remain nameless because I don't want to embarrass them, and they just... They were in. The, they were like the middle support band, and they just blew them off the stage. Was it the Beatles? Hot. Yes, it was. It was. It was Wings. Actually. It was Wings. It was Wings. But it was the Doors. yeah, but they were. They were. They were phenomenal. I don't. Yeah. I don't quite know what happened there. And uh, Sub Pop started a, a, a thing around that time called the Woody. Is that? Is, am I getting that right? Uh, they well, they were giving out. We have one. It's a. We. I think they had determined that a, selling a hundred thousand records was ostensibly like indie rock. 
platinum. Yeah. But to give out a platinum record, you, you couldn't legally give out a yeah. platinum now record. Now it's actually platinum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> These days, then they should be like yeah. 10,000 records. Yeah. But, uh, but no, they, so they, they made wood records. That uh, were like a hundred thousand was wood. Yeah, and they made these wood, which I have in my. Yeah, my they have house. them like up in the hallways there, and then then they actually ended up getting you know actual platinum records. Where I think. Yeah, I think yeah. I think the I want to say the uh, I think I think the Fleet Foxes record went gold. Yeah. At least the first one did. Maybe the second one. It's crazy. I now now I now I can't get Human League out of my head. Like I'm trying to think of a band that basically uses bass as like a lead. Like. All, all those songs were just all like bass, kind of bass driven in a way. But I don't know. Does anyone do that? I anymore? feel like I might have like just like assassinated myself. Or like, maybe I'm going to get like a Pharrell style <laughs> like lawsuit kind of like I'm going to get a, oh, somebody's going to serve yeah. me outside okay, of SIR exactly. here. So let's talk <laughs> about that for a sec because represent Human League? you know what I, when I was reading about the article and, and if I'm getting this wrong, I apologize. But it's just from my uh, my my typical citizen of the Internet. I read some stuff about it without deep diving into the case. So I apologize. As is the way of the Internet. As, as, yeah. So I apologize <laughs> for my I call it the apocryphrips, which is just basically <laughs> it's all apocrypha at this point. It's just yeah. people going, I am a hundred. I'm commenting like I know exactly what happened. Did you read the? I read a headline, yeah. or a guy told me, but I didn't actually do <laughs> it's the. It's an argument at a bar. That's it it kind thing. of yeah. It's all arguments at a bar, but like you're in court. <laughs> um, so if I'm, I mean, it's obvious that the songs are very similar, but I, but I thought that even when they brought in the lead sheets, they were like, well, it's not, they're not identical, but tonally it's the same, and then that's where it's sort of dangerous to music is that if you can sue someone on the base of, of, of tonal similarity, then we are getting a, we are getting a letter from built to spill everyone's, <laughs> for our first record. Everyone's going to get happen. fucking sued always because everything is somewhat derivative of something else. Cause that's just the way human beings are. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of follow that in a similar peripheral fashion and it, it, it seems a little bit scary that a legal precedent has been set, uh, that things can be similar and that that's enough to kind of uh, demand a, a writing credit or publishing on a song. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out over the, the you know, the years to come, um, whether or not that is a strong enough precedent to, for other people to sue for having their copyrights infringed. Yeah. Can Tom Petty sue, uh, uh, what's that guy? The, like Sam the, Smith. Yeah. Sam well, Smith. I think they settled that. Oh, they that did. was settled. Yeah. I think that, I've read I read like a statement from uh, Tom Petty and he kind of said something along the lines of like, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm just he was very he was very above board about the whole thing. It's like we just I'm just you know, I'm glad we could share the song together or something like that. It was something that was like he I think he probably he might have been the one who got the lawyers on the phone. I don't know. Yeah. But he kind of acted. He had a very kind yeah. of like well, there was the Lady kind of Gaga song that was basically Vogue, right? Yeah. I wonder if Madonna, did Madonna go after her for that? I mean, that's that it. it I, I feel like there's so many cases. Well, I suppose the question should be who should be shaking in their boots right now, worried about, you know, being served papers yeah. for, for two songs sounding. I guess, too ev- similar. I guess everyone, everyone in a way, yeah. because there's only so many chords. <laughs> so there's only so many ways. To- the Ramones are going to sue every punk <laughs> band ever. It's going to be a trickle yeah. down. Yeah, and exactly. Someone's going to sue them. Yeah. And then it's going to go all the way back. Marky is the one. Yeah. The last one. Yeah, he's just gonna start showing up to places like, <laughs> and then, hey, Tom Mark Hoppus, and then going back, black people are gonna sue all of rock and roll <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. for stealing everything. <laughs> so, I mean, it is it is kind of a difficult. It's just sort of a strange situation now yeah. that you can't just. 
I mean, because you know, it, it happens with jokes sometimes where you can't. Sometimes you can't remember if you thought of something or if it's reminding you of something that's a memory. And those mm-hmm. those areas where you have to call people, and go, "Have you heard this before?" Is that does the same thing happen for you with with, with songs? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that by the time I would like to hope that by the time we are recording a song for an album <laughs> that I have played a particular composition for enough people, including like my bandmates, a record producer, right. somebody at the record label, <laughs> a lawyer. And like, it's gotten through <laughs> all of those hoops yeah. and, and, and nobody said like, Hey, this really kind of sounds exactly like you two's desire or whatever <laughs> it might be. You know I mean? It's like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's got, you, you would hope that mm. at some point somebody would pull the ripcord on it. If it was that, similar. no. But our song is called "Designer," and it's <laughs> yeah. all about interior designer. Design. <laughs> oh, designer! Dunk, dunk, ding, dunk, ding. <laughs> also, I am not Irish, no, so, so that doesn't really. I mean, that exonerates you right there. I but feel I think like. you know. I think I think you, the, the Death Cab sound is so specific. I mean, like you from the very first album I heard of yours, it's like, oh, okay, well, this guy knows his like this is your voice, like you know what your voice is. I mean, your point of view, and uh, it didn't seem like, well, you know, this some bands I'm like flounder for like an album or two, and then they find it. But it yeah. sounds like it feels like right away you kind of had this very strong identity. Yeah, even though you said like you know you were ripping off uh, Built to Spill in the beginning, like I still like wouldn't have thought that and i was, was listening i heard built to spill then i heard you guys and i would have never been like we'll make sure and eh. say that in our deposition yeah, would you we please never, yeah, we're gonna, yeah. we're gonna, first we never yeah. heard that <laughs> yeah now it's obvious this but is first, this, this is going to be in the podcast right this yeah, is going to be for everybody <laughs> but i think it's also a thing when you when you listen to that type of music you can understand the you know if i i could show someone like a bunch of different like you know they won't know the difference between no effects and the dickies and blink too. you know some people just don't have an ear for a mm-hmm. certain type of sound and but like it's like having listened to all that stuff a lot you know like i would have never guessed that i think over time i still to this day have a hard time believing or hearing what a death cab sound is yeah. if it if there is such a thing because i still hear all the influences that i have as clearly as i stated earlier going into the music you know i mean i i'm so i'm a primarily a fan of music and and you know, so there have been there have been a couple occasions when somebody I I know has come up to me and been like, "Man, have you heard this this young band? They sound exactly like you guys." I mean, seriously, like you really need to like check this out. Like you might like you know, like I don't know. You may want to sue these guys, like that kind of thing. <laughs> and 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 I would listen listen to it not with you know a lawsuit in mind, but just like, I want to hear what this person hears in my music yeah. that they think is so signature that this band is you know allegedly ripping us off and i can never hear it what was the band do you remember any of the uh thankfully i i i I, there's one but i I think it's probably best to kind of yeah yeah sure to not to not talk about on this podcast but you know is it insane clown posse yes Mm -hmm. yes it is icp very similar uh no but it's a couple you know younger bands but i just don't i mean because i still you know we're we found to happen well, yeah, and yeah. to the Build to Spill thing, you know, we've played shows at Build to Spill. We're going to do some shows in the summer. Like, we're, we're friendly with those guys. And, like, and I remember, like, we're playing on stage, and, like, Doug and a couple of the other dudes are watching us. And I'm just, like, we're playing the song that has, like, some very, like, Martian, yeah. you know, Northwest kind of guitar <laughs> lines in it. And I just was thinking, like, is this guy listening to us just being, like, motherfucker? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like there's those moments where I get really self-conscious about it. So if... After 17 years of doing this band, I'm still self-conscious about my own influences. 
I'm in no position to go after some young band and yeah. be like, hey, man, it's fucked up, you guys. Because it has yeah. to come from somewhere. Well, you know? I also think that, that you know, one of two things would happen. They, if they don't develop their own voice, then they're not going to stick around. And if they are too similar to you, then at a certain level, people aren't going to stand for it. And then it's going to fall. You know what I mean? Like they will be, sure, I think course. they yeah. will be forced. You know, everyone sort of starts off heavily with their heavy influences. But then the more you do it, the more you kind of find your own thing. And I think eventually they would shed and, fi- and like have their own interpretation of that thing. You certainly hope so. I mean, I, I, I'd like to hope that we have done that to in a certain extent, given the, the bands that we were really influenced by. Yeah. But, you know, it's been a long time. I've been doing this for a while now. And, you know, and like I said before, like that'll happen. And some like I'll always defend uh, there was a band I really got into hockey night. It was only one of the last lookout records bands. But like they sounded exactly like pavement, just like the guy just, you know, drawl, just like Malcolmus, all that stuff. But I was like, well. Pavement's not putting out any records, and these guys sound like Pavement. <laughs> I just kind of was like, oh, and then like same thing with like you know when Troubled Hubble uh, came around. I was like, well, Dismemberment Plan's not around anymore. Might as well listen to these guys. Well, what's just- What's interesting for me now is that I'm of an age that I now remember that musical styles that were popular when I was a teenager are now coming back around. Yeah, and you know they're like a band that sounds like. Maybe exactly like the Jesus and Mary Chain. And people are like, these guys are unbelievable. Yeah. These guys, I've never heard anything like this before. And it's like, yeah, that sounds like the Jesus and Mary Chain. And that's fine for them. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to like go around slagging these guys because they sound like Jesus and Mary Chain. But I don't need a record by a band that sounds like the Jesus and Mary Chain because yeah. I have all those Jesus and Mary Chain records. I don't, right. I, I don't need it. I don't need like a, I don't need a copy of that band. I'll just listen to the original band. Yeah. You, you know? have enough of that. I think I got enough. Yeah. Do you ever yeah. feel do you ever feel constrained by the thing that you've created in the sense that if you have an idea to do something that's a little left to center and you're like, well, but it's not it's not it's not really what I would categorize as a death cab thing. Do so you want to make a ska song? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm really I'm really not that creative. <laughs> I really no, I you know, I, I I don't know. I don't I don't feel as if there's I, I don't remember having an urge that was to to make something or do something so, like you know, you like joke about doing a ska song, but yeah. it's like anything of that, like that far outside of what we do would just be laughable. So I I don't see I mean, unless I don't know what type of music I would all of a sudden feel so strongly about that I was like, no, this is this is the you know Peruvian throat singing <laughs> record by Death Cab for Cutie, and this is important music, and you need to respect it yeah, the same yeah, way you please. respect everything else, because yeah. this is like my new direction, and I, I demand that you enjoy it. Well, you know, your solo album uh, didn't veer too far away from the Death Cab sound, and there were, there was some stuff uh, like the the opening track, you know, with all the different layers of vocals, mm-hmm. um, and when I heard you were putting out a solo album, I wasn't sure if it was going to be like Doug March's solo album, which was just, you know, all slide guitar and acoustic mm-hmm. stuff. Was there, what was the, re- were those songs that like you didn't want to bring to the rest of the band or did you feel better? Just like, I, you know, I want to, I want to wildflowers this. If you yeah. Will. I mean, there were, there were like three or four tunes that just kind of were, that it, it didn't seem like they were appropriate for the record we were making at the time. And then a number of songs that I'd been kind of holding on to that, you know, weren't kind of in keeping with the tone of the records we had made okay, a couple before. Yeah. So, I'd kind of been holding on to these songs for a long time, and I was like, you know, I'm just going to record these and put them out, and it's the record's a super mixed bag, you know? Yeah. It's like, I think there's some really strong things on it, but at the same time, it's also like, yeah, it wasn't intended to be like a... A full record. Uh, well, no, it wasn't like, intended to be like a stepping out in front. Yeah. Here I am. This is my big, 
you know, moment to step out as a, as a solo artist. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, I got a bunch of songs. I write a lot of songs and, you know, I felt these were some of the better ones that were, didn't fit on Death Cab Records and wanted to just put it together. So. Oh, cool. Do you, I, there, there's a band that comes up a lot uh, on my shuffle and it's a band that I loved from the late 80s, early 90s and it feels like they just disappeared and if they didn't, I apologize. But did you guys like the Smithereens at all? Oh my oh, God, yeah. I love the Smithereens. I fucking yeah, yeah. love the Smithereens yeah. and every yeah. time like Blood and Roses or uh, I'll do, the, like anytime one of their songs come, I'm like, why didn't this, fu- why were they, this one, like every song was really cool and they seem like a cool band. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do you watch, uh, do you watch um, uh, Homeland? I've the Homeland is not Homeland? something I've okay. watched it. Are they Hold on Homeland? No, the reference. <laughs> Are they a terror make, cell? The reference I was going to make. Was Smithereens. <laughs> oh my god, it makes sense now. <laughs> then my joke about how the singer of the Smithereens looks like a guy on Homeland is just not gonna. <laughs> that's not gonna work. I'm gonna just walk away remember, from that one right but, now. Uh, but I remember, anyway, and we'll yeah. laugh. I don't even know the guy's name, so it's really it's now Ted Smithereen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Smithereen. Yeah, Jimmy yeah. Smithereens. No, that, I mean that band is phenomenal. I'm not sure what they're doing these days, but that's not because they're probably they're probably doing something. I'm just kind of hanging out with the House Martins. Ah, oh, that's another one. Prefab Sprout. I, yeah, kind of, I kind of feel like something that, I mean, I don't know if we're going to be able to, I, I doubt we will be able to convince you to do this, but I feel like it'd be funny if you just played a little bit of um, All Star by Smash Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> hey now, you're an All Star, get your game on, get, get paid? Get Probably. Paid. Yeah, get, go play. Go play. Yeah. Hey, hey now, now, you're an All Star. Get your hat on. I have to say, though, I have to say, uh, speaking of Smash Mouth, I really legitimately love that first single, Walking on the Sun. Walking on the Sun. That is a fucking great song. The production of that song is like, nobody was kind of ape, was kind of like mining that song that palette at that time this really kind of like i remember when that song song. i remember when that i was working at k-rock and uh i was walking by uh i feel like i was walking by kevin weatherly's office and he goes hey come in here for a sec what do you think of this song and it was smash mouth walking on the sun and i was like this is fucking great because to me think speaking of like potential lawsuits it's to me, it sounds almost identical to the to the zombies. Yeah, it's very zombie. Uh, yeah, yeah. Zombies. She's not yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. And there's a song called "She's Not There," and it's a- almost identical. Da-na-da. And it and it uh, and so I loved. You know, I hadn't really heard like someone pulling the '60s into what was at the time alternative rock. Yeah. Even though they got pretty pretty mainstream, and I know we shit on Smash Mouth a lot just for it's fun. Just fun. Yeah, it's yeah. The, you know it's more because they got the, that Shrek money. They don't give a shit. It's more because of the name Smash Mouth is fun. Yeah. To be like, but but I actually do really like that song. I love that song, and I, I mean when I that song was on the radio, I didn't know what those guys looked like. I didn't know. I had no. I, mean, the, I should say the image. No, 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 no. That's that's not that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. It's like I guess the 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 song was so was so kind of. Uh, it it was so reminiscent of like the zombies and that period of of kind of baroque kind of pop stuff yeah. and everything that i was i was imagining them as looking you know like a mod group right you yeah. know no, so it was did. a shock to see these dudes from o- the OC who like surfer bouncers. Yeah, yeah. who don't. But, but I thought that was so fucking cool. I was like, I love the fact that I had an image in my mind of what these guys look like, and they don't look like that at all. And like, I actually really like when those juxtapositions. In all seriousness, when those juxtapositions happen, where it's like, yeah, I just didn't see this music coming out of these guys. I thought yeah. it was kind of great. And you know? I met them at a K Rock concert once. They were really nice. Uh, 
I'm sure. They were like super nice dudes. Good guys. Yeah. <laughs> You're not a fan. Tale as old as time, Chris. <laughs> Song as old as rhyme? Yeah. <laughs> Mutey and the Beast. Uh, so how many dates is the tour going to take you on? Uh, God, I don't know. Hundreds. Oh, man. Not, a hun- not a hundreds. Dozens. Do you miss, do you like it that? I actually kind of do. Yeah. I, I mean, we've, we've scaled it back considerably from when we were... In, from the transatlanticism slash plans days, like through 2003 through 2006, where it was like that was the moment, and we for us, and we just really felt like we had to jump on every opportunity and be on the road all the time. And I'm glad we did it um, because it's allowed us a little more freedom now to not have to do it with that level of frequency. But you know, we've I think we've kind of got it to a place now where you know we'll go on the road for three weeks, we'll come home for a couple weeks, go back out. You know, a couple of the guys, one one of the guys has two kids you know you know another one of our guys has a kid on the way so it's like you know it's trying to integrate a rock and roll band into middle age yeah is a challenge that you know uh i I feel like we're doing a pretty good job of right now yeah i mean it's i don't sustaining like even as a doing stand-up i i couldn't go out for just like seven months and just be gone well because you'd be by yourself the whole time that's the difference i mean in a band there's the four now the five of us there was you know road crew you know there are you know and and people around us all the time so it's just it's like it's like a strange family that we have now that when we go out on the road you know days off everybody people are you know pairing off in groups and going to dinner and we're kind of getting together and getting into adventures and it's fun it's it's a really fun way to live i should start doing is just touring with a full band setup. And then have people set up all the music equipment, but never play a song. No. Have them break it down, get back on the Sounds bus. Sounds like a good go. use of resources. And I think it'd be really good. Yeah. yeah, it'd be worth it to lose money every time I go out on yeah. the road. And everyone's just going to be like, just not laughing as much. They're like, when's he going to? Why is there? I'll just never refer to it. Yeah. But I'm lucky now, though, because <laughs> I, I, I have a girlfriend who is super cool and she will come on the road with me whenever she can. So it's, easy, it's better than, uh, you know. I mean, the, the long, the long, it is really lonely. Yeah. It's really, really well, lonely. And my girlfriend is, uh, she toured with bands for years and now is kind of taking a little bit of a hiatus on the road, at least, you know, working on the road. So it allows her to come out with us, which is great because she also kind of gets the environment of yeah. what we're doing and that, you know, there have been times where people have come out on the road with me or with, you know, other members of my band and there's this kind of, you know false sense that this is like some kind of roving party or that like right. hey we're in paris let's spend seven hours walking around uh looking at go to go to the louvre and stuff it's like man i gotta i gotta play tonight i gotta talk to like five journalists like i gotta take a nap right now this right. is my work is happening at 9 p.m I, I just cannot spend the whole day being a tourist and that yeah. is a bummer a lot of the time because you get to go to these great places but you don't actually get to see anything you've seen a lot of great hotels from the inside well i've seen a lot of great venues i've been inside a venue (laughs) or parked outside of a venue for hours and it's you know it's it's not something one can really complain about but it certainly is not the experience that i think a lot of people think that we are having and it's nice to be with somebody who totally gets it and understands like yeah oh yeah you gotta no you gotta work tonight it's not this isn't this isn't a vacation for you this is this is work this is you know it's a real job do you still have friends uh in bands that uh are around from when you guys started and you guys are all just still you know in vans and stuff like that like are any of those bands you started with still around yeah i mean not a lot of the bands but a lot of the musicians like i mean dave bazan is a really good friend of ours and and he was in a band called paid to the lion back in the day and and you know 
there, I have friends, you know, like him that have been doing this for roughly the same period of time. And, and it's been interesting to kind of be able to share not, not necessarily the stories from back in the day, but just kind of how we're moving forward as musicians in this kind of new climate. And yeah. some of us are more successful than others, but you know, it's been really interesting, interesting to see kind of how a lot of my friends have navigated the changing kind of It is really tides. neat to follow bands that way, musicians that way, like, uh, the guy Jonah from Jonah's One Line Drawing, like, uh, like, just started just, just like releasing all these kind of just kind of funny albums, and it was just really neat to see like the different and you know the guy um, Mark Trombino who was in uh, Drive Like Jehu and mm-hmm. went on to like sure. produce a bunch of Jimmy Award records. Now he has a donut shop in. Uh, oh, Iowa does Park. he really? Yeah, it's uh, it's called Donut Friend, and it's all just like punk rock puns uh, for the names of donuts. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh I gotta be honest. Awesome. You say a lot of people in bands, and I'm like, those aren't real bands. And people, you're just mashing words together. Yeah, there's a lot of. A lot of a l- I'm lost a lot of the time when I'm hearing you talk about music in a very casual way. I'm like, oh, I, I, I don't know what <laughs> any of those are. It's weird. People will make fun of me. Like they're like, it's like we get it. You know, you know, obscure bands. I was like, yeah, but we're like for me and my friends, those are some of the biggest bands we know. Yeah, it's I like totally, saying, yeah. I totally relate to that. It's yeah, like it's, same, it's yeah. these bands that you saw in with a hundred other people changed your life, and yeah, and you know, I think it's good to have that perspective that like, look, this changed my life, but I don't expect it to have the same to have the same effect on you. And I've learned that the hard way, trying to play some bands that were really important to me, to at the time my ex wife. Who like doesn't did not care about Slint? You know what I mean? Yeah. There's just this thing where you're just like, yeah, you know. It's and I realize in the moment, it's like, oh yeah, this so much of understanding, not necessarily Slint, but just a lot of the music that I uh, was really important to me growing up is contextual. Yeah, and it doesn't make the music any less important to me. But it's like you play you play somebody the Beatles who's never heard the Beatles, which is unbelievable to me. Yeah. But let's say you could find somebody who heard the Beatles, you play it for me, like, yeah, oh, man, it's kind of. Yeah, the Beatles. This is kind of interesting. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason that millions and millions of people have gotten into this. There's yeah. something universal about it. But you know, Slint is a very strange band that I happen to love very much. Yes, but not the kind of band that um, somebody who has no context for it is most likely going to be like, "Wow, this is fantastic." Do you, think, do you think? Do you think a significant other has to have the same? Like, do you think you have to have at least somewhat similar musical tastes? I think you do when you're 25. Okay. <laughs> I think I think when you're 25, uh, your music and movies and books are the most important things to you. At least they were to me. Yeah. And I think as you get older, you realize like, look, this is my stuff. As long as as long as that person isn't giving you grief for liking the things you like, as long as there's a live and let live kind of yeah. dynamic to the relationship and that you, you know, because you care about that person, um, you express interest in the things that they like, um, sometimes out of obligation. But a lot of times you f- I feel like when you open yourself up to something that is outside of your worldview, something that somebody likes and you go like, yeah, I understand why you dig this. That's yeah. pretty cool. I never would have found out about this if you had not turn me on to it yeah you exactly know? like for example like me and d we have very different tastes like uh, she really likes the queers and i like screeching weasel that's a really specific i joke. saw i saw <laughs> i saw a uh, spotted dick open for the lollipops at Krabby's um chicken shack there's a bank called the lollipops god damn it yeah. <laughs> uh but going back to what you're saying about like the idea like slant means a lot to you like built to spill means a lot to you and to, to us those are huge bands those are yeah. like monolith bands that like you know were life-changing and i always think about that a lot with when it comes to being a creative person in any field where it's just like uh does everybody have to know who you are no but like uh does the idea that you maybe like you know inspired somebody to do something on their own it does that make a bigger difference yeah it's like you know like Ian Mackay is still like a, a very huge 
influence in my life, even though mm-hmm. I don't really do make music or anything like that. It's just like, but like the idea that, you know, he made a big deal to me doesn't like, in t- the fact that mostly everybody will never know who he is. Doesn't take anything Would away it bother you that. if they did? No, if not at all. I think, famous? I think everyone should know who he is, but like, it's like, I don't think it, uh, takes anything away. And I think it just, well, it shouldn't yeah. take anything away yeah. because, and if it does, you know, I, I believe that you, you know, you have an unhealthy relationship to a band or an artist or a, a novelist or whatever it might be. If, if you, you need the validation of your peers for liking this thing. It's also very need... selfish to be like, no one else, that, that's mine. It's like, yeah. it's not just yours. It can be a lot of people's and you should want to share it with people. But that's something that I'm sure everybody's experienced when either as a fan of something or you know, in being in a place where it's like, yeah, you know, um, I used to come see you guys when there were like 50 people now and then 50 people there. Now there's 5,000 and it's like, I was there first just so, you know, it's like, yeah, just so you know. good for you. Um, yeah. uh, were you the first person ever hear our band? <laughs> oh, you weren't. Okay. Well then there's people that were there before you. Are they bigger fans than you are? Yeah. I just, I just don't buy this whole idea that there's a, a right way or a wrong way to get turned on to something or that there's, you know, if you were into a band let's say earlier than somebody else that somehow you have like cl- you have claim on that band as a bigger fan than the person who got into them yeah. last year i just think it's kind of it's kind of a childish way to look at it is well it's a bit music. it can be intimidating sometimes i mean you know i always call it the uh the guided by voices conundrum where it's like you hear a song you're like wow these guys are great and then you go to the record store and they have two rows of albums you go they've clearly been around longer than i uh, assumed i'm just gonna back away i can't i can't ever listen to guided by voices again really i know we have to let ben go in a sec but yeah it's a weird story it's a very weird story but after um i don't know if i've ever told it but after uh I did this musical play called Rock of Ages and then the music director recommended me for something a couple years later that Steven Soderbergh, I think, was going to do a musical version of the story of Cleopatra with, with the soundtrack of All Guided by Voices. What? Shut the That's fuck insane. up. That's not and, real. And Hugh Jackman was going to be in it and Catherine Zeta-Jones was <laughs> going to play Cleopatra. Are you making this up right not now? Not making this up. Holy shit. And so um, – and so – they said we need someone to go in and sing the scratch vocals so they can start laying out the and so they recommended me for it and so at the time I was really starting to work a lot and so I was very busy and I barely listened and I was familiar with I mean I know the band but yeah. not like I couldn't just start singing you think you know a band until someone's like sing every note and then you're like uh god oh shit yeah I don't really know and so I I went in sort of not very rehearsed and it was a fucking disaster. Oh, fuck. And they were recording on like reel to reel. And I couldn't get the songs. And it was the first time that I wrote a whole article about it on Nerdist too, about like learn when to say no to things. Like learn when it is not advantageous to you to take on another project. And because I couldn't put all the work on it, it was one of the most valuable learning less- learning experiences ever. And I didn't take any money for it. And the people who were did the sessions were I could see them like just like very angry and frustrated on the other side of the glass, and I was embarrassed. And oh, it was the it was one of the biggest kind of creative disasters that yeah. I've ever had. Uh, so I guess I'm lucky that that's happened. But uh, that's crazy. But and then I called to apologize to my music director friend, and she was like, "Oh, it doesn't matter. They they scrapped the project anyway." <laughs> so like there was a period of time where I'm pretty sure, yeah, Soderbergh's gonna do the story of Cleopatra with all guided by voices songs, and they were gonna basically adapt <laughs> them. 
to, to I mean, to be that, the that scenario mm. seems like something if you had like a bunch of bands, stories, and directors and had him in like a lotto jumbler yeah. and just pulled out, pulled out. See, got it by voices. Got it by voices. Uh, Hugh Jackman, <laughs> Steven Soderbergh. And just like, and make there's like, movie. let's make that. That, yeah. that sounds yeah. like how that project came And out. so because of princess. that, and I have all the Guided by Voices songs, and whenever they come up on Shuffle, I quickly, ju- I have not listened to Guided by Voices since that happened in 2009. Damn. Because it, I was so – 2008. So I, I was so traumatized by how much I fucked that up. Oh, my God. That's – I mean, I love Got It By Voices so much. Yeah. Someday I'm, maybe I'll be able to go back. Wow. That, that's just – I'm still – that's blowing my mind. I can't believe that's a real well, maybe thing. Maybe they'll yeah. revive it now. I'm just only going to think of like ways Cleopatra could sing a, like Got It By Voices songs now. And I suppose head. this is post-American uh, Idiot, right? Right. So this is like – because I, I, I remember around that time – all of these crazy ass ideas for musicals, <laughs> kind of being being floated being floated around in the universe, and yeah. people, a couple of people got in touch with me about like, hey, would you ever if you ever want to write a musical? It's like that sounds like the worst thing. <laughs> that sounds like the last thing I'd want to do. I don't need to tell the audience the story that makes these songs make sense. Like they should just make sense. To no, people. a dude from uh, Bell and Sebastian made a musical. Uh, but it was like a tell. It was a movie, but it was it was great. It was good. I I, th- I feel like one of the one of the things I love about being a songwriter and a, mu- and a musician is that like you write the thing, you go in the studio, you make it, you record it, and like you really don't have to answer to anybody else. So why would you invite? <laughs> why would you invite like pro- under a microscope? Why would you invite producers into that? Like I mean, <laughs> yeah. like like musical producers and directors yeah. and actors. Yeah. Why would you fuck that up by inviting all these <laughs> insane people into it? Like, just keep it point. pure, man. It also kind of ruins it. Like, it forces you to give the songs subtext, where it, like to give someone a reason to break into that song is uh, so on the nose well I'll tell you yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> I, but I do think it'd be fun to kind of write this like this sub like like he sees me who knows why what's going on like that kind of <laughs> the, the thoughts of the character in the song that'd yeah, be great so, man let's write the next Death Cab record that way <laughs> do it as a musical yeah, yeah. and then and then sell that and then it's like just walk away from it so before we yeah. before we let you go uh, what when we came in and please forgive me for asking this but you said it's nice to see you again where did we meet before I think we met at the late late show show a very very long time ago oh, it was like did. very long but it was one of those like hey yes hey yes hey. yes yes i was like i was i was this far away from, i was five feet away from you i was like hey because your ex was hey. on yeah she's on the show you that's gotta do right I was like, hey how's it going that's right i remember that's exactly what we do talking okay yes 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 but yes. but it's also one of those things where like i feel like i when you walked in i put you in that that unfortunate position that i think we've all been in at certain times where somebody you're like hey nice to meet you and you're like yeah, we've met before, yeah, yeah. and it makes you like, and it's like that's why you have to take on like, like do the like like the po- the politician move of like, uh, good to see you. Yeah, yeah good yeah, to yeah, see yeah, you. Yeah, good yeah, to see you. you. Good to hey, see you. Not again. And then, not again. Yeah, yeah. And then you're just good hope to see someone doesn't go. Yeah. Do you remember the first? Yeah, but yeah. now that you've said that, I completely remember that. We, I remember exactly. You were in the dressing room in the hallway, and yes, I remember. But, but also, as somebody as somebody who meets a lot of people, and you meet a lot of people. It's understandable that sometimes you know, the course of like a week of meeting people and like, having like very, you know, like, hey, hey, how's it going? Kind of interaction. Yeah. Like I would never take it personally that, that you don't remember that. And I shouldn't that. have – I should totally remember that because I remember you had your dick out and you were smearing pudding all over mm-hmm. your face. Yeah. And I was yeah, like, yeah. I will yeah. never forget this. But it – I was like, Chris, <laughs> Chris. <laughs> 
Chris. Okay, that's all coming Remember back. Now, now. Putting, yeah, yeah, putting on his face. Putting yeah. on his face. Yeah, I don't. It's he was doing it. <laughs> it was so good to. Uh, it was good to actually sit down and chat with you. Yeah, totally. We, this we, is we a lot of fun. Said hi. So please, please, please come back when you're done with the tour. And, I'll do that for sure. And and, and check in and, uh, and and thank you to and if if you want to play a few lines from All Star, you're more than welcome <laughs> to do that. But no pressure. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> all right, enjoy your burrito, everyone. <laughs> oh, you're going to play a song now. Now, now I'm going to get all um, when it becomes eclectic. Right, right, right. Um, so, Ben, uh, what, what song are you going to play for the <laughs> listeners now? I'm going to play a song from our new record, and it is called Black Sun. The, the new record is out now. Uh, and is it k- k- Kitsugi? Kinsugi. Kinsugi, which is the art of, of uh, when something cracks to put precious metals in it so you highlight the flaws in something and not try to make it perfect. That is, that is correct. Thank you. It's, yeah. it's Japanese. Yeah, I knew that too. You didn't know that. Yeah, you didn't just you didn't give Because that's a not a band to... name, you dick. Hey. What? Here's Ben Gibbon of Death Camp for Cutie. Here on Morning Becomes Erectic. I don't know. Oh, a dick uh, joke. What? That doesn't mean a dick joke. It could be like I'm erecting a building. Yeah, but it's shaped it's like you. a dick. It's you, so it's... Shut up. Okay. Get out. All right. Okay, um, so are you guys rolling? I can just kind of dive into this? Okay. Guys, it feels really fucking weird. Can <laughs> 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 you stand behind me? Can you get on the riser? There is whiskey in the water And there is death upon the vine There is fear in the eyes of your father there is yours and there is mine There is a desert veiled in pavements And there's a city of seven hills Now our debris flows to the ocean To meet again, I hope it will How could something so fair be so cruel when this black sun revolves around? There is an answer and a question And there is hope within despair And there is beauty in a failure And there are depths beyond compare There is a role of a lifetime There's a song yet 
to be sung. And there's a dumpster in the driveway of all the plans that came undone. How could something so fair be so cruel when this black sun revolve around you how could something so fair be so cruel when this black sun revolve around There is whiskey in the water And there is death upon the vine And there is grace within forgiveness But it's so hard for me to find How could something so fair be so cruel when this black sun revolves around you how could something so fair be so cruel when this black sun revolves around you. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Enhance your listening experience with Wondry Plus. Enjoy ad-free listening, exclusive content, binges, and more. Join Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or on Apple Podcasts.